the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to Folk Radio, your favorite podcast for all your favorite folk hits. This is your host, Peter. And this is your host, Kyle. And today, we are continuing our saga of Funk and Soul Beatles covers. If you missed our first part of this collection, we did it a couple episodes ago, so definitely check that out. There's a lot of really cool covers that we've discovered. This is the second, I guess, installment of our three-part series of Beatles covers. Our first song in our list for this part of the episode um, is the song Eleanor Rigby, which is a very famous Beatles song. And we specifically want to note the Gene Chandler cover of the song. The original Eleanor Rigby was written by Paul McCartney and released by the Beatles in 1966. It's a good example of the group's musical drift from pop to a more experimental sound. That's true. This was when they first did LSD, kids. Um, (laughs) Probably, actually. I don't know. Now, regarding how McCartney came up with the name, I guess a number of years after the song was recorded, a gravestone marked Eleanor Rigby was discovered near where he and John Lennon had first met. Yeah. So... I mean, like, I was... Because there's actually a a fair amount of speculation about where the whole name came from. There's things that that McCartney has claimed that Eleanor was, I think, the name of somebody who acted in their movie... And then Rigby came from like someone he knew or something. Somehow he thought that the, word, the, the two names fit together well, so they used that. But then a number of years later, like you just said, there was there was a graveyard where John Lennon and McCartney first met. They used to hang out there a lot when they were first hanging out as friends. And um, there was a gravestone marked Eleanor Rigby. So McCartney actually said, you know, maybe I subconsciously came up with a name from remembering that somehow, but... He had his own story for how he came up with the name, so I'm not really sure which one is correct, but I guess... You it depends can... on which Paul McCartney you believe. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's actually... Um, that gravestone has actually become a really popular tourist spot for Beatles yes. fans as well. It was, the song was named years after it was recorded. Was it originally released under another name, or did they just not... Oh, act? well, no, because like the, the song Eleanor Rigby was out for like 20 years, and then in the 80s or something... Someone found a gravestone Mark Eleanor Rigby, so they're. Oh, they I were, guess. They just thought it was weird. So, regarding Gene Chandler's cover of it, it was actually a B side to um, his single Familiar Footsteps, which is one of the original theme songs for Soul Train. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Familiar Footsteps was released in 1969 under the New York based Brunswick label. This song of his, Familiar Footsteps, and the, the Eleanor Rigby cover is actually pretty rare, so I'm going to guess that. Brunswick wasn't huge, or at least this his this cover of it wasn't huge. I see. Because uh, it's pretty hard to find. Well, that's a shame. Let's listen to a little clip of Gene Chandler's cover of Eleanor Rigby. Wearing the face that she keeps in a job by the door. like it because i think it adds a little bit of funk to what is otherwise kind of a more somber lsd induced song <laughs> yeah i mean I, I this definitely isn't one of my favorite beatles songs um the original oh, really oh i like it. yeah i mean it's okay i don't love it but actually i do like this um discover a bit it's pretty cool it's kind of fun. yeah exactly there you go it's like hey i don't know rugby don't be down get funky with it why are you putting your something in a jar by the door that's just silly yeah <laughs> i don't remember the lyric shut up <laughs> it's okay you know who else 
has a pretty funky cover of a Beatles song. Who, Mr. Peter? Well, Mr. Peter, the uh, funk slash disco group Earth, Wind, and Fire did a really cool version of the Beatles song Got to Get You in My Life. Like the previous song, Eleanor Rigby, Got to Get You in My Life, was released in 1966 on the Revolver album, which I believe was a pretty good album, I think. Yeah. The original version of the song by the Beatles was based on a Memphis slash Motown arrangement with horns. And I'm guessing that's probably why it's more, it's a pretty popular cover song among soul artists, because the Beatles decided that the way it was written, it would sound best when it was arranged with the horns and everything, which is not necessarily what they did most of the time. So it's more easily adaptable to soul music where yeah. some of their other stuff is. Because like, it, basically, like it basically takes influence from that soul musical music. style, so it just makes sense, I guess. I dig it. It's pretty cool. So Earth, Wind, and Fire released their cover of this song 12 years later in 1978. I didn't know this, but it actually won the 1979 Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Arrangement Accompanying Vocalists and is certified gold by the RIAA, which means it sold how many copies? Well, we always get this mixed up because they changed it in 1976, remember? Well, yeah, by the time... So in- if it was 1978, in order to be certified gold, it, by 1978 it had to sell a million copies. That's correct. Yeah, I know that it sold a million copies, so... Whether or not this was before or after the RIA changed the, the no, requirements, it was I'm not sure. It was after. I know they bumped it from like 500,000 to a million because of how explosive the music industry was in the 60s and 70s. They're just like, hey, too many people are getting gold records. <laughs> yeah, but I know that this is definitely the most popular cover of this song to the point where it took... I didn't even know for a while I, that this was honestly, a real cover. I am completely there with you. I honestly thought this was an Earth, Wind, Fire original. Yeah. Well, they definitely make it their own. And it's, it's a, definitely a more funky version. So I can dig it. Well, we hope you too can dig it as well. <laughs> that sounded really dumb. But, you know, it doesn't sound dumb as this song. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Definitely, uh, you can see why that cover is so popular. Do you want to touch on the next one since there's not much to say and then we can just... Yeah, um, there's actually another cover of this song that we want to mention. Not quite as popular, I think. It's, this is another rare one, actually. Done by the Soul Quartet, uh, The Four Tops. Um, this was released on their album called Soul Spin, which was released in 1969. So just a couple years after uh, the Beatles version and quite a few years before the Earth, Wind & Fire version. I really could not find anything on this, any information, which is sad. Um, I hate when we have to mention songs, but I can't really say much about them. But um, it is it is a version that I discovered and I do like. It sounds good and sounds like the Four Tops, but it doesn't sound like any, either of the other versions. So um, it's it's good to want to touch on. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of that. like that i mean it's never gonna top earth wind and fire's version for me personally but it was still good yeah um next up on our roster is the beatles song i want to hold your hand covered by the famous king of sex al green okay he is the king of sex i think him and marvin gay need well marvin gay's passed away but in the 70s they should have had like a sex off between him and marvin gay or 
better yet, they could have... some really disturbing images right now. Better yet, they could have had a duet with the two of them, which would have instantly made every single girl in the world faint simultaneously when it was played on the radio. That's and it would have been like mass chaos and panic. Well, that's probably why they didn't do it, because they were probably thinking about it, but then they had the foresight not to make everybody in the world die. Yeah, they don't die, they just faint and become very swoon. Yeah, but if you were driving on the freeway and... And and you're suddenly just like, Then you would die. That's true. But that's why why you let Jesus take the wheel, Peter. Okay. (laughs) This cover by the King of Green, Al Green, is pretty cool. The King of Green, so is he the Green Giant now? (laughs) (laughs) He's the Jolly Green Giant. On top of making sexy songs, he also is really good at making some green beans. Regarding I Want to Hold Your Hand, the original Beatles version was released in November of 1963 with extreme acclaim. A uh, Beatles historian, there's actually a Beatles historian that's kind of sad. He's, well, I, I looked him up because it mentioned his name. He's actually, he's like a English historian and he's apparently known as like the, the world's leading source on Beatles knowledge, I guess, somehow. So if, if anyone knows about the Beatles, it's so, him. So when he went, when he went to college, did he get like a degree in English history with an emphasis in Beatles? How does it work? Um... Let's assume that for now, I guess. Okay. So this Beatles historian, Mark Lewison, describes it as, quote, She loves you already had sold an industry-boggling three-quarters of a million before these fresh converts were pushing it into seven figures. And at this very moment, just four weeks before Christmas, with everyone connected to the music and relevant retail industries already lying prone in paroxysms of unimaginable delight, EMI pulled the trigger and released I Want to Hold Your Hand, and then it was bloody pandemonium. This guy uses a lot of big words for no reason. If that quote didn't make any sense to you, <laughs> which it probably didn't. Because <laughs> I can't read. The, the story with this is that um, I Want to Hold Your Hand is probably one of their most famous songs in their career. And the story is that it would have gone straight to the top of the charts immediately when it came out. But it actually was kept from the top for like a couple of weeks when it first came out. Because the previous Beatles song, She Loves You was so popular that it was like on the top of the charts for several weeks and it even pushed this other one back so they were basically being uncharted by their own songs um which was kind of funny so she loves you was already immensely popular and then when i want to hold your hand came about eventually that one topped i think i want to say like 11 weeks or something was ridiculous the two of these songs were like an pretty much the explosion of their popularity jeez See, Peter said it much better than that English guy, because that English guy... Well, the, the quote is kind of confusing, but it sums it, it up is. in a confusing way, I guess. Yeah. He's like, how many syllables can I possibly cram into this paragraph? Because <laughs> I'm British. So Al Green's cover, which was actually included in his 1969 album, Green is Blues. See, he's the king of green and the blues. Yeah. So this writer, Pete Lewis has stated that this album was, quote, significant for matching, for the first time, Green's soulful-refined vocal brilliance with the skillful production of co-writer-producer Willie Mitchell and the tight arrangements of Memphis renowned High Rhythm Section. The album ushered in a new era for the Memphis sound, effectively kick-starting a studio partnership between Green and Mitchell that would see Al go on to become the premier soul superstar of the early 70s, and arguably the last great soul singer, period. That's basically saying that that this album in particular ushered in the Memphis sound, which was a very significant... That was basically the the soul sound of of the South during this time. Although, I would disagree personally in saying that he was 
arguably the last great Southern soul singer, because what about Clarence Carter? He's pretty cool. Well, we can talk about him in a minute, but first, let's hear a little clip of I Want to Hold Your Hand, covered by Al Green. really good song yeah it is well since you talked about clarence carter we actually have a song by him let's talk about him you should talk about him peter because i talked about al green that's true so the song that clarence carter covered was let it be obviously by the beatles and that was released by them in 1970 um this is actually the last song that recorded before paul mccartney left the band and by this time john lennon had already done so kind of sad because yeah. the band was breaking up and also by the time that this album let it be was released mccartney did leave so basically, after they recorded this, but before it was released, McCartney left the band. So was it just um, George and Ringo sitting in a room awkwardly, Probably. wondering if they were going to keep going? And Ringo's just like, finally, I can do something. And George is like, no, Ringo, not you. <laughs> so Let It Be is also considered one of the best Beatles songs of all time, as well as one of the best songs of all time in general, which is pretty impressive. And it's kind of funny considering it was their last song together. So as Kyle was saying, the Southern soul singer Clarence Carter covered this song. He actually recorded it in the same year, in 1970, on his famous album, Patches. I love Patches. Yeah. Patches, don't you depend... Oh, I forgot how the words go. Well, you can look up the lyrics to Patches, Kyle. In the meantime, uh, the rest of us are going to listen to a little clip of his cover of Let It Be. Okay. This is Clarence Carter. Let's take a listen. I find myself in time of trouble Mother Mary comes to me Whispering words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, I was actually playing on talking about the Aretha Franklin cover of this song. Not only could I not really find much information on her version, but then I realized that he had done a cover of this song as well. And I like him, even though he's relatively uh, obscure, un- unknown. Yeah, he's obscure, um, but he has. I like his voice, so. Dude, you can't go wrong with the with the song "Stroking." That might be the best song ever written by a human being on the face of the planet. Stroking. Yeah, we should talk about that song on the show sometime. Seriously. Do you want to talk about our next cover, Mr. Kyle? The next song we want to discuss is the Beatles' very famous song, "Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band," redone by the brilliantly talented Bill Cosby. <laughs> and I know all of you out there are just like, what? But yes, he actually did cover this song. Bill Cosby actually did cover this song, along with many others, in his famous album, Bill Cosby Sings Hooray for the Salvation Army Band. That's true. I think he did it as a, as a charity thing for them, which is always nice. Did he really? Yeah. I thought he was just making fun of them. Wow. Who would make fun of the Salvation Army? <laughs> Bill Cosby, I don't know. <laughs> well, then that's good, yeah. if it actually was something. Good for him. So yeah, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original Beatles song, was released in 1967 off of their album of the same name. I like the cover for that album. It's, always, it's really cool with the little, like... With, oh, like the... where they're all dressed up. And the, it's like little... I don't know what you call it, like conductors or whatever. Yeah. The Bill Cosby cover version came out three years later in 1970 on his album that we said before. He was actually backed by the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band, who normally backed Charles Wright. That's pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't know that until recently. That he actually got the so That's kind of cool. It's funny though, because this this album 
in, in 1970 was Bill Cosby's like cover album. I, I don't even know where, other than the fact that he was raising money for a good cause, I don't know where he possibly got the idea to do this. But then, to top himself in his lunacy, he came out what, with a couple of years later, he came out with Disco Bill. That's true. Which was his own songs that were probably even more awesome. Because does in, in this yes. album doesn't he like take the songs and then like just change them to be funnier? Right? Yeah, I think. Well, he has a few, probably as many as four albums which he sang on. I think all of them have at least a couple covers. But uh, it's been a while since I've delved into his just musical collection, his Bill discography. <laughs> With that in mind, uh, let's listen to a little clip of Bill Cosby's cover of Sgt. Pepper's Only Heart School Band. And listen for the funny. 20 years ago today, a Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. And they've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise a smile. So may I introduce to you the act you've known for all these years, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. Yeah, unfortunately, um, Bill Cosby's musical works are relatively rare. Um, but I think this album is actually one of the easier ones to find. Because like the one you were saying, Disco Bill, that one's really rare. Yeah. Um, definitely some good stuff. Most, I mean, it's pretty much all... I know you uh, you said it before that Disco Bill wasn't ever put onto CD. Was this album put onto CD or no? I don't imagine so. But it seems to be easier to find generally online. Um, just references to it anyway. It is indeed on CD. Oh, really? Okay. Yep, for $12 on Amazon. Buy it now. That's actually not bad. Yeah, good stuff. So, that was Bill Cosby's Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band cover. Terrifying in its own right. What do we got up next, Mr. Peter? Coming up next is another Beatles song, of course. I suppose there's no surprise there. <laughs> we do that every episode. Here's another Beatles song. Oh, wait, this is what we're doing. That's true. It's the song called Something, which was released by the Beatles on October 9th, 1969. It was covered by the girl group Martha and the Vandellas on their album called Naturally, and that was released on September 8th, 1970, so just about a year later. Because Martha and the Vandellas were a Motown group, they were backed instrumentally by the house band the Funk Brothers, who we have talked about before. They were really significant in backing a lot of the, the famous Motown artists, and they're on this song as well. That's pretty cool. I can dig it. So yeah, this is a fun song. I I also I kind of like the um when the when the female artists do the Beatles covers because it's, it's just another dimension of difference between this and the, and then and the original mm-hmm. because the Beatles obviously were all male, but um it, you just get a different a different sound and this one it's kind of fun. So why don't we take a listen to a clip of something by Martha and the Bandolas. I hope you listeners listened for uh, the Funk Brothers in the background doing all that music. They're really cool band. Yeah, we should we should seriously do like an episode just on them because it's amazing how many different artists they backed for. That'd be a cool idea. Last up on our list for the second installment of Beatlemania is a famous Beatles song "Ticket to Ride." covered by The Fifth Dimension. Ticket to Ride was originally off the Beatles' 1965 album Help, which quite a few other songs that we mentioned in the prior episode were off of because it was arguably one of their best albums. And the song was written primarily by John Lennon, credited to Lennon and McCartney, because McCartney was a credit hog. Uh, but Paul McCartney's contributions in this particular song are in dispute. Lennon's- Actually, um, on that topic, yes, 
in the previous episode as well as this one, there's a lot of instances where Paul McCartney will write basically 99% of the song, and then Lennon would have you know made maybe one or two minor contributions, but then it's still credited to Lennon McCartney. Hmm. So, so I guess Lennon, Lennon is really Lennon's like the credit hog. Yeah, he was definitely a credit hog. <laughs> I don't remember which song it was, but um, a lot of years later, uh, McCartney actually asked Yoko Ono if he could switch the credit to be McCartney-Lennon, so his name would be first, since he basically wrote the entire song. But she said no. Well, she's Yoko. She's crazy. Yeah. Yoko, you can't spell loco without Yoko if you drop the Y. (laughs) And And change the K to an O. (laughs) Or K to a C. Anyways... I guess uh, regarding this dispute, Lennon said that McCarty's contribution was limited to, quote-unquote, the way Ringo played the drums. So perhaps McCartney did the notes for Ringo in what he would play. I don't know. Uh, but McCartney said that was um, an incomplete description and, and that, quote, we sat down and wrote it together. Give him 60% of it. We sat down together and worked on it for a full three-hour songwriting session. So basically, Lennon did 60%, McCartney did 40 but Lennon tried to give McCartney little to no credit. I see. This song was also actually the first song by the band in which McCartney was featured on lead guitar, so that's good good for him. I guess he had a ticket to ride to be the lead guitar. The song was indeed covered by The Fifth Dimension on their 1967 album, The Magic Garden, which also contains their famous hit, Aquarius. Cool. (laughs) The Magic Garden, that's a pretty cool album title. Right? You can plant thoughts in the magic garden of your mind. Let's listen to a little clip of the Fifth Dimension's cover of Ticket to Ride. We don't talk about them that much, but uh, they're, they have some they're more like. I don't even know what what to classify them as, as other other than like super hippies. Yeah, they're not really. Uh, they don't really have a lot of. Because Aquarius was basically about so, astrology, which was complete and utter bullcrap. <laughs> but it's a good song. Yeah, I remember they sang it in the Forty Year Old Virgin, and I thought it was funny. That movie really depressed me, by the way. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just did. Do you, Peter? Do you fear that you will be the Forty Year Old Virgin? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. I don't know. I just, I don't know. For some reason, the concept depressed me. Well, it's supposed to be depressing. I suppose. People that go that long without doing the nasty, it mentally makes them, messes them up, them up and makes them collect action figures. Cool. Yay. Not, not to downplay anyone of our listeners who collects action figures. We're not implying anything. Yeah, that's true. Unless it's true. <laughs> so. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so that, that concludes our second part of uh, Funk Soul Beatles covers. We hope you enjoyed it. As we were saying earlier, this is a three-part series. So there's one that we did before. Definitely check that one out if you haven't already. And we have one more coming soon. So keep an eye out for that one in the future. And we're on iTunes. Our lovely host is TheEighthCircuit.com, where you can find lots of fun multimedia pop culture type news and other uh, video and podcast series. I can take it. Mostly their uh, their shows are about video games, mostly in movies and other random stuff like that. But they're, they're, they're really interesting and they're funny. So definitely worth uh, a listen, just like us. If you like this show, go ahead and like us on Facebook as well at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. You will be the first of your friends to know when the new episodes come out. Indeed. Well, once again, this has been your host, Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle. 
Thank you for listening to Funk Radio. We hope to broadcast for you again soon. <laughs> uh, bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.